us worship him in his goodness and his presence. Yes, we welcome you here, Lord. We worship you for all you are. Yes, nothing compares to you. Let's offer from our whole hearts as this church. What is this love that won't relent? Yeah. That's calling out with heaven's breath. Who's reaching wide to save our souls? Only you, you and you alone. What is this grace that makes no sense? That we could never recompense. Who gives us all a second chance? Only you, only you, only you. We declare this church. Is no like our God, Amen. For that, oh, there is no like our God. We believe, oh, there is no other God who can say, There is no like our God. Do you believe that, church? Hey. Who hung the stars upon the Showed the sun how bright to shine. Who shaped the world within his hands? Only you.
Yes, our souls long for more of you, more of your presence, God. Yes, we surrender. I give you glory for all you've brought me through. Yes. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. You're the reason we came, Lord. I'm moving forward to follow after you. Sing in your presence, God. Cause your presence is an open door. It's available. We want you, Lord, like never before. Yeah. Your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord.
to places It's an open door Thank you, God We want you, Lord Like never before Let's encounter you in a new way, Jesus Your presence Is an open door, yes Come now, Lord Like never This is an opportunity for the one who paid it. All his presence is here. He hears your heart. This is an opportunity to pour out our praise, full of faith, full of love upon the one who paid it all for you and for me. So we worship now. Thank you. 
second tab. Many of you know that I'm a skier and I have this picture in my mind that during the night there's a big snowstorm and for a moment the mountainside and slopes are perfect and then the lift open and the people start skiing and it gets messed up made really fast and and that condition is so reflective of the human condition our brokenness that we need grace every day in order to overcome the fact that we we can only go five minutes without messing up and so we receive communion in order to remind us that God has provided a way for us to be clean and perfect like that mountain. And that that grace is new every day, every morning that grace is new. And so we're going to receive communion. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus, he took the bread and he passed it to his disciples. And he said, this is the new covenant. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. Let's take it. When he was finished, he passed the cup. And he said, this represents my blood, which will be poured out for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. Father God, we just thank you this morning that your grace is new every day like that sunrise, like that new blanket of snow over the mountains, that you knew our brokenness, that you knew our faults, that you had a plan that didn't count on our goodness counted on the goodness of your son Jesus. And so this morning we humbly come into your presence and we recognize our brokenness and we and we just cry out to you, Abba Father. We pray that you would just continually remind us that we need your grace every day and help us to be in a place of thanksgiving because of that. Because we can rest on the work that Jesus did on the cross. 
We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. In this, in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to stand to your feet, we'll continue in worship.
church, my friends. I um, sort of actually forget what day of the week it is uh, because we, uh, Pastor Weston said uh, we've been on tour for kids camp. I'm not joking. Instead of having a week of kids camp this summer, our network decided to do a number of two-day kid camps. And so I, we've been touring kid camps and we've been having a fabulous time. So, uh, but I have a few announcements for us. I want to welcome us this morning. Um, if you don't know who I am, I am our kids pastor. Pastor Allison, and it is my joy and privilege to be here with you today. Um, I will tell you, Pastor Greg, if you haven't seen on Facebook, is sick, uh, and that is why I'm here. But thankfully, I was already scheduled to preach August 1st, so I'd already started kind of prepping for August 1st. So don't worry, 
Um, even though we've been on tour with kids camps, uh, the Lord put a, a word on my heart that I'm so excited to share with you today. So, um, but if you don't know, he, he's vaccinated but still got COVID. So if you can believe that, it's pretty crazy. But thankfully, we were all out of the office. I mean, the high school camp was gone. Kids camp was gone. I mean, the office was pretty quiet this last week. So that's pretty good. And uh, so he's just going to rest up and uh, be back with us after, you know, the health department has called them 25 million times and made sure that everything's good. So uh, we're sure, I just want you to be, be confident in that because, uh, you know, it's a concern. And I, and I feel it and I know it. So just so you know, um, uh, we've been having a great summer out here and poor Pastor Greg is not right now. As a matter of fact, you can actually pray for Rhonda because they were supposed to go on vacation starting tomorrow, which is why I was scheduled to preach on August 1st. Uh, and so she's pretty bummed out. They don't get to go anywhere. Um, so anyway, but uh, on, on other greater news, uh, we have a, a movie night coming up on Friday. So uh, I'm really excited. I get to do this with our kids uh, and with our families. So anybody, everybody is welcome. Bring your neighbors, bring your friends. We just set up a movie outside and we put two screens up out there in our backyard way out there and uh, I always say come around seven because I'll put some games out on the field for you to play and get your blanket set up bring a chair blanket you know that kind of stuff and uh, we're gonna watch this movie it's called Spirit Untamed it's like this I don't know it's a horse <laughs> and uh, but the kids love it it's a good movie so if they haven't seen it and I think it's only available for like a week or so so we're gonna jump in there while it's available and watch it together and just have a good time coming together uh, amen right um, also, uh, just so you know, we have an annual business meeting uh, that we rescheduled. If you remember during that like 100 degree weather we had, this became a cooling area. We had to cancel our business meeting. So uh, all are welcome, though. This is a great time for you to come, whether you're a member or not, just come and hear what's going on here. And it, it sounds businessy, but it's really not. It's family. So come and be a part of the family. Learn and hear all the things, get updates, all that kind of stuff that are coming. It's going to be 6 p.m. on August 22nd. So we'd love to have you join us. That's a Sunday afternoon or evening uh, that we can spend together. And Pastor Greg is on point. He's always promises it to be like under an hour. I think we've had some under 30 minutes before. So it's not long, but it's a good opportunity to connect. Um, and then one more announcement is uh, we're going to have a worship on the lawn. Uh, Pastor Weston and his team are starting to prepare for that. So I'm super excited for it. It's going to be an outdoor night of worship. Uh, that's August 20th. It's a Friday night, 7 p.m. Just come. Let's worship Jesus together uh, in spirit and truth, right? Amen. That's good stuff, right? I hope you took notes. Sorry. <laughs> There's a few announcements for there, but I want to pray for us. I want to tell you uh, that we are glad you're here. There's a connect card in the back. If you're new with us today, um, if you want to fill that out for us, or even better, you can scan the code on the back of your seat too, because then you can digitally tell us who you are, and then I don't have to read your handwriting. Amen. I mean, I don't know, sometimes I can't read, and then we try and uh, connect, but don't worry, we won't do anything scary, uh, anything, we just want to know and welcome you uh, to the body of Christ here, and just visit, welcome with us, uh, and if you uh, are new or aren't sure, we do have offering up front, because, you know, we don't want to pass around just yet, although I do think we're getting to a new season where we might be passing the offering plate again, and we can pray over it, because it's just part of family, right? Um, but definitely, we're thankful for... Um, all the giving. Can I tell you how awesome it is? Because of uh, giving, we've been able to do these kids camps and scholarship kids to go to camp. And uh, we here at MRCC had, uh, I want to say, uh, gosh, we had 47, no, 52, 
We have 52 kids go to camp with us, plus leaders and all that, so it's really fun. Uh, high school camp, I don't even know their numbers, it's, it's awesome, but they did two full weeks. They did a middle school camp and then a high school camp, and they just got back, and they're exhausted, so it's awesome. You know it's well. That's what I said. If you're not exhausted when you come back, we did something wrong. So uh, they are definitely feeling it after a couple weeks of camp. So it's, it's really cool. And so I just want to thank you for your faithful giving, because as from my heart as a kid's pastor, uh, we get to do so much because of it. So thank you, and I don't know if I could say that, but I do want to tell you um, a little bit as getting back from kids camps. Uh, did you throw that video? I don't know if they threw it up there, but this is pretty cool. Pastor Greg said to me at the beginning of this season, uh, when we, before we started kids camps, he says, you know, you don't have to go to all of them. We took our kids to one of them the first week of camp. And I just want you to look and see these kids just praising Jesus. Like to me, it's, it's the most beautiful thing ever. They're lifting their hands in praise. So I sent this video to Pastor Greg after the third camp that we were at. And I said, it, the network doesn't need me. This is my joy uh, to, to be with kids who are just worshiping and praising Jesus and experiencing Jesus in big ways, right? I mean, it's a big deal. It's exactly what's going on at Silver Lake Camp with our middle schoolers and high schoolers too. Just life change is happening with our kids uh, because of these opportunities that we have. So again, thank you for letting us do that. Isn't that cool? This is cool. Okay, I could just do that all day. I'm going to pray for us and thank God for our offering and, and for all of us, and then we'll get into God's word together today. Jesus, we are so incredibly thankful that we can come together in your house. Uh, God, that we can talk about your word, but Lord, that we can experience life together, that we can talk about all the, all the things that go on at camp. But God, really, this is your home uh, and that we can come together with you. And God, I just pray that as uh, we gather, uh, I just pray that we would be able to sense your presence in our midst. And Lord, you'd be speaking to every one of us individually in our hearts today uh, through your word. Uh, we thank you for the offering. Please bless it, Lord, uh, and give us wisdom in how to use it, God. And we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are going to be in the Gospel of John. One thing Pastor Greg did tell me uh, as I was preparing a message, he said, I want you to pick one passage, because that's hard for me to just pick one. And he said, I want you to try and pe preach from one passage, so I'm going to do my best. Uh, I have just a couple random verses to go with the one passage, but we're going to be in John chapter 1, and uh, really just the first few verses there in John chapter 1. So while you get your Bible there, um, I, I just want you to think about one thing before we get started. Because the, the serious part of our message is um, difficult relationships. There's some difficult, everybody in our world, everybody, I feel like has a difficult relationship or two. So I'm going to ask you to think about one of them or two of them um, and, and let that person right now just be on your heart. Um, because God would say he'd like restoration to be there. And I know that in uh, most, most areas where there's conflict, uh, there's a miscommunication or something. And, um, and in truth, uh, restoration would be what God's heart would be for you and for them because um, that's how we're going to grow, right? So uh, as you get there, I'm going to go ahead and just start right away with, uh, with, our, with God's word and, and go from there. So if you want to read with me, I'm in just the first two verses. I'm going to start there where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So here it is, right? Gospel truth, right? This title today, Grace and Truth. I'm excited for this, but this gospel truth, we're, we're learning right here, right? It's always been from the very beginning of time. As a matter of fact, you, you notice that there's a capital W, right, in the word word, and uh, it's followed in verse 2 with the capital H in the word he. So what we learn is that uh, the word of God is personal, right? 
More specifically, Jesus is the word. Um, look at verse 14. It kind of sums that piece up. If you look at verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth, which is where our lesson really is in today. Um, but there it is, right? Jesus is the very word of God. It says Jesus with God in the beginning came to be with us. I mean, I love it because it's Communion Sunday, so we already sort of celebrated that. Amen? You know, this is a personal God. I want you to think about that, a personal God. Um, and the glory that this verse is talking about is his death and resurrection on the cross that we might be able to understand this grace and truth that our Father God wants us to experience through Jesus. Think about grace and truth because he wants us to extend that to others, right? But it's kind of a hard balance. Think about it. Grace, we, 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 because of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, we understand it, but sometimes it's really hard to extend it because we want to hold on to truth, right? This is one of the most difficult concepts for me, and that's why I think it's so powerful here because we're looking at Jesus as our example, right? That Jesus is that perfect example of grace and truth. I'm going to look, uh, actually go back in verse 3 of, that, of cha John chapter 1 where it says this. It says, through him, through Christ, through Jesus, all things were made. Through him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen? Yeah? Hear this. I know this, right? Jesus is what? The light of the world. The light of all mankind. The Bible says what? The way, the truth, and the life. And that he's our light to follow after out of, out of our darkness, right? Because it says the darkness will not overcome it. That means we can follow him out of our misunderstandings, out of our fears or anxieties or struggles or frustrations or angers or doubts or uncertainties. We can follow Christ out of those places of darkness. And here's what I, I hope uh, and pray for us to really understand, that no matter what has happened in our life, no matter what difficult relationship we might be in, that when we follow Jesus, listen to that verse, the darkness will not overcome it. Amen? I mean, the thing we have to go is, like, do we actually believe that? Like, in my heart, do I believe that the darkness will not overcome? This means that, it means that I know the end of the story, Right? That in every situation, in every circumstance, in every struggle, in every fear that I have, everything that we're willing to give to Jesus and allow him to guide us through, the darkness will not overcome it, right? And even if, even if in this room, I know that there might be people who don't know Jesus yet, and I say yet very powerfully because I believe that Jesus is working in your heart right now, I still have confidence that there is nothing we can do that will defeat God. That at the end of time, God still wins. Darkness will not overcome the light. Yes? So I want you to think about it this way. Okay, think about it. If you were to watch a suspenseful movie or, or read a suspenseful book, whichever you prefer, right? Um, you'd respond differently to that movie or, or that book the second time you read it, right? Because you know how a story ends, right? I mean, in the same way, I feel like we can walk with more confidence in life with Jesus because we know how the story ends. Darkness won't overcome. Jesus wins. And 
that alone can change how we respond to our own challenges and our own struggles, right? You know, I hope that we're understanding this, that there is just nothing, absolutely nothing that Jesus can't handle. Even the smallest detail. He knows you specifically and deeply. He knows every relationship. He knows every encounter that you have. And even if our situation that we might struggle in doesn't necessarily change, the way we respond to it can because of Jesus in us. Yeah? Man, I tell our kids all the time, I say, you know, um, you know, my, ki- my own kids struggle with stuff. Kids in kids ministry struggle with stuff. And, and I love having conversations with them. But often I come to them and I say, but understand that your struggles don't have to define who you are or, or rule over you because you have a Jesus that you can trust to help you, that you can pray with him, that you can seek him through these truths that are actually written right here in his word. And, and one thing I, I challenge our kids all the time with is, is will you worship him with a thankful heart and praise his holy name in the middle of your stuff because it's in your trusting worship that Jesus has the space to move right here in your heart. Yeah? Oh, this is one of the hopes we have in Jesus, that we know that sin and darkness will not prevail. Jesus gets the last word, right? And darkness won't overcome the light. And Jesus, right? Jesus is, I just, I can't say it enough. Jesus is that light. And if if I'm in the light, that means that I will not be overcome by darkness, right? That there will still be sin and darkness in the world, but I can be confident that God will not let darkness win. Amen? So here's a question we have to consider, right? Think about it for just a minute. Have you chosen to stand with Jesus in his light? Or is it possible that sometimes we wander from the truth and begin believing something that doesn't line up with Jesus, It doesn't line up with, with gospel truth? I, I actually want to play a little game with you. Is okay? I, I, I think I missed my calling, actually. I was, at kids' camp, I was leading messy games. And uh, fear factor... So is it okay if we pause for just a minute and I play a little game with you? I, I missed my calling. This is called Urban Legends. Have you ever heard of Urban Legends? It's kind of like, it's a thing that your mom always told you growing up, and, you, and maybe it wasn't fully true. Okay? So I'm going to give you a couple. All right. How about this one? Uh, you can try, you, what you have to decide is if this is an urban legend or a fact. Um, this one right here. You should always wait at least an hour after eating before you go swimming. Fact or urban legend? Ooh, yes, an urban legend. That's not truth. You're, but my mom always said. My mom always said. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Eating ice cream right before going to bed can cause you to have nightmares. Fact or urban legend? That's actually a fact. Don't give your kids ice cream before bed. <laughs> it is. It's a fact. Okay. Um, okay, this is one of my favorites. Okay. McDonald's is the world's largest purchaser for purchaser of cow eyeballs. Fact or urban legend? You're hoping it's an urban legend. <laughs> it's an urban legend. <laughs> Keep eating McDonald's. It's all right. I'm teasing. I don't, don't want to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Mountain Dew is so acidic it can turn a mouse into jelly. Fact or urban legend? You guys are smart. Yeah, it's a fact. What was fun at kids' camp is if you got the answer wrong, we put a pie in your face, 
It was fabulous. It was one of my favorite ones. I'm going to end. Uh, I have two more. I'm going to show you one that's just kind of fun. And it's kind of the, you know. One way to stop a bad cough at night is to put an onion that you cut in half on the nightstand next to your bed. Fact or urban legend? That's actually a fact. Can you believe it? So if you have a cough, people, come on, try this out. You learned something new today. Cut an onion, set it on the nightstand next to your bed. This one's just my favorite. This is funny. Japanese bank robbers sent a thank you note to a bank after robbing it of $5.4 million. Fact or urban legend? <laughs> it was a fact. Can you believe they did that? That's how they caught the bank robbers. So. <laughs> I don't even know. I can't even tell you. But I mean, do you agree? I've, I feel like I had a lot of fun with it at kids camp. I'm like, fact or urban legend? Oh, that's an urban legend. They get a pie in the face. It was beautiful. We had, we had a lot of fun. Kids camp is not all um, in the sanctuary. Some of it is playing games and pieing people in the face and egg roulette and all that. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I got to lead that part. So that was pretty cool. Um, but I share these with you, not just because they're fun, but I wonder if similarly there are times when we misunderstand the Bible too, you know? We believe something about God that isn't actually true. And for, I know for a good chunk of, chunk of time, maybe, uh, maybe you thought the Bible uh, was an impossible lift, list of rules. I remember that when I was a kid, a lot, of, a lot of my friends would say, I can't go to church. The Bible is just full of a bunch of rules and I don't do that. Um, you know, I, I remember thinking in my life, I was like, man, the, the Bible is hard because it's just too too difficult to live up to. It's something I dealt with as a kid. Um, or maybe you thought the Bible, um, uh, oh, I know, or maybe you thought that, the, that Jesus could just fix everything, right? The, uh, I don't know how many people have said this. The moment they receive Jesus as their, as their Savior, Jesus is just going to fix everything, right? Or um, that he would make our life trouble-free, um, easy. But here's the thing to my standard of perfect, right? Okay, there are a lot of things I think that sometimes we believe about God that might actually be true. Maybe it's a presumption that we've made or something we've heard, uh, kind of like an urban legend, right? We start to believe something that just simply isn't truth. The only place we find truth is right here. Um, have you ever been mad at God because it didn't meet your expectation or mad when your prayer wasn't answered the way that maybe you'd hoped? Um, I know it's kind of hard to admit, but uh, when we blame God for something that went wrong in our lives, in truth, I think we're misunderstanding the gospel truth. We start to believe actually a lie that doesn't actually line up with what God's word says is true. It's kind of like believing an urban legend. You see, God, he never promised easy. He did promise to walk with you and help you. And he never promised that he'd fix everything uh, in the way that you expect, but he did promise never to leave you and to offer you a peace that passes all understanding when you look to him in your time of need. And, and in this book, it's full of blessing over you. I mean, it's God's way, but over time we actually learn that his way is more beneficial than my way anyway. This book is full of guidance for the most beneficial way of living, right? You know, some may look at it as a list of rules, but I see it as God's path towards peace and joy. I'm going to read really quick 1 John 5, 3, because it says, And this is love for God, to keep his commands. His commands are not burdensome. Yeah? You know, when I was younger, I did. I thought, I thought God would fix everything and make my life perfect the way I thought it should be. Uh, and I'd feel mad at God when he wasn't meeting my expectation. But at the same time, I also didn't want to follow his commands either. I assumed that they were just too hard to follow, that I'd never measure up. Uh, I had actually believed a lie, right? 
as a kid? I think it's common. It's not uncommon at all that we would think that way. As a matter of fact, I hear kids talk about it all the time, and I just wonder even in this room, that's sort of some, something that we hold on to, and it's not fully truth from God's word, right? I, I know that I thought that I could just live in my own way. I, I didn't want to worry about trying to live up to any set of standards, the truth is, I don't think I'd received God's grace over my failings. And I believe that I had to measure up on my own, and it was just too hard. That's where grace and truth both come together. Because here's what I've learned. God doesn't expect me to measure up as if I'm on my own, trying to accomplish the impossible by myself. He does want my love. He wants me to trust his leading in my life. To lean, to lean into his grace because that's what gives me freedom when I fall, when I fail. Understand he also wants my obedience, right? But I've also learned that there's so much more blessing in my obedience and I actually find more joy when I choose to follow his word. And I feel a sense of peace when I stand in his grace and live in his truth. My life might still be surrounded with some struggles, with difficult relationships. Man, parenting is hard. Um, there are frustrating situations all around us, but Jesus, I know and trust that he walks with me, yeah? His Holy Spirit giving me wisdom. You know, I don't always get it right. As a matter of fact, I probably get it wrong more than, I, than I'd like to admit. But I am learning, and I am thankful for his grace especially when I mess up. Oh, hear this. Oh, it's when we don't lean into his grace that we end up beating ourselves up for our failings, right? Instead, Jesus calls us to receive his grace and learn a better way in his truth. Okay, here's, here's a fact. It's not an urban legend. I promise. I'm not teasing. The news sometimes lies. Social media sometimes lies. Instagram lies. People lie. Even my own thoughts lie, yeah? But the Bible doesn't lie, amen? In fact, the Bible is full of what? Grace and truth, given to us by the very author of our life, our very creator. I mean, don't miss, 2 Timothy actually says in 3.16, he says, all scripture is God-breathed. That means the author of the Bible, as in written by God through those he chose, right? That God breathed, he breathed, as the author of the Bible, also breathe life into you. The very author of your life and mine is the author of this word right here. Meant for us, his children, to know him more completely and better. Amen? Mm. Here's what, I want to circle back uh, to our passage if you look back at verse 3. Because I don't want to miss this piece. It says, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Okay, so how often do you see little children fighting over their toys? Yeah, all the time. Okay, we see kids. Okay, as a matter of fact, I, I think it's impossible to reason or rationalize with them in these moments, right? Think about this for a minute. I have to share a little bit about my daughter. She was my first, so I didn't know what I was doing. Still don't, but that's okay. My daughter, she used to grab as many toys as she could. She would go play with some friends. She'd grab all the toys she could. She'd have them like full. Her arms would be full of toys. As a matter of fact, she couldn't even play with the toys because she was too busy hoarding them and protecting them. Okay? The poor other children. I'm just so sorry. Anybody who played with my... Oh, gosh. But 
the truth is, inevitably, the other kids would try and take that toy, and she would get so irrationally mad. It would actually be impossible for me to help her see what I could see, right? The truth is, with every kid, not just my girl, (laughs) they wouldn't even have that toy to fight over if it hadn't been given to them. Every one of their toys was a gift, yeah? And they would be misusing that toy or destroying its purpose uh, if they spend all their time fighting over it and not enjoying it. Instead, they needed to see that toy as a gift, right? Meant to be enjoyed and shared. Oh, what happened there with kids, though, is they start to believe a lie. They start to believe that they deserve more. Or um, they actually, I don't know, maybe because they're so self-focused that they forget to see other people. They start to believe that the other person doesn't deserve their love. Um, And I wonder if, like children fighting over their toys, do we ever do that with our lives sometimes? Forget that our lives are a gift, like that verse just said. I mean, my goodness, nothing was made. Without him, nothing was made. Our lives, our very breath, our gift, right? And it's meant to be enjoyed and shared. But I wonder if, like children fighting over their toys, if we actually diminish God's design when we turn from the truth. If we believe untruths that are not from God, if we become self-focused and forget to see other people, we start to believe maybe that they don't deserve our love. Oh man, grab hold of this because your life, my life, every breath would not even be possible if God hadn't given it to us. Our very lives being a gift from God intended for good, to do good, to seek peace. Uh, in, In Kids Church, that's our verse, to seek peace and to go after it and to point others to him to live more fully in grace and truth. Okay, I recently read this article. It's written by a man named Mark uh, Laberton and is titled Between Failure and Fraud. The title alone draws us in because these are things that we're familiar with. Failure, fraud. Okay, um, how many times have I dropped the ball, um, made a mistake, let someone else down? Um, In any of those situations, we start to begin to feel a little bit like a failure, right? Um, we become frustrated with someone else's failings even. I mean, that happens to you. Um, but this article I read was so good because it completely hit the nail on the head. How often do we try and compensate our failures by doing something to cover up that failure? And in that, we start to think of what we're doing as, as fake or, or like, like we've become sort of a fraud. We're, we're trying to cover up those failings. I love it because Mark actually tells about a time when his finances were tight and he had this pretty junky car that was just falling apart, shredded into your fabric. I remember I had a car when I was younger. We called it the green machine. It was like a boat. I mean, it was grandma's car. And it was green inside and out. Like the leather seats were green. The steering wheel was green. Like there wasn't an ounce of not green on this car. That was my car. But anyway, Mark tells about a time when he had a car similar (laughs) to that one. And um, he kind of felt like, well, being a middle-aged man, he started to feel like a failure because he thought, well, you know, a middle-aged man should be able to afford a decent car. So he went out and determined to lease a new car, right? Well, he couldn't really afford, so you can imagine what mess that caused, right? And, And then he realized that this new car didn't really fix anything or make a situation any better. As a matter of fact, it made it worse. He believed a lie, and as a result, he felt like fraud. I love it because this is what he said. He says, My life swings between voices calling failure and fraud. The key is not listening to either. I'm not as bad as the critics in my mind accuse me of being, but I'm not as good as I've led some others to believe either. And right there, in the, is there, there's a truth. Right there in the middle somewhere between this. And that's where we hear the voice of God. 
The voice of God that says, I made you, I designed you, and crafted you for a purpose. You're beautifully and wonderfully made, specific and unique, and I have a calling for your life. Every dimple, every freckle, every hair on your head or lack of hair on your head, everything about you is specific and unique and intentional. In fact, the Bible says that your body is a temple intended to be a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. And if he's dwelling here in my heart, I know that I can have the strength to stand against those frauds, right? The lies or the untruths. Because he even promises peace to cover you. Look, at it's Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's the key, that you would come to him, that you come to Jesus to call on him in your need and ask for his strength, not to believe the lies that surround us, or even the lies that try and penetrate our own mind, weighing everything you hear with God's word. Remember what I said, news lies, social media lies, our own minds lie, people lie, but the Bible is gospel truth. And this is where we need to focus our attention, is right here. You know, the best thing about God's word, about his words written right here in this book of life, is is that they're for you. So you might know your creator, God, and be able to see him in the words written here. And the best thing is that they're full of grace and truth. Isn't it freeing to know that Jesus didn't just come to condemn us, but to save us? Because without grace, without grace, we stand condemned when we mess up, right? But without truth, grace would have no meaning, right? We need both grace and truth. You know, with while truth would say to me, my, the wages of my sin is death, grace, the grace of God says, in Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. He died on the cross for my sin and yours. Jesus, perfect, sinless, the light carried by the penalty of my sin. He took my darkness so that I could receive grace. And I love kids because they're so honest, right? And kids would say to me, well, why is the wage of my sin death? Like, can't God just decide to change that one? But the gospel answer is simple because God is light and in him there is no darkness. And since my sin brings darkness, I need his grace to cover me, to bring me out of the darkness into his light. So I have this picture to show you. It would be too hard to do it right here um, because we can't make it dark enough. But do you notice something? Look at it for just a second. There's no shadow where the flame is. You see that? The darkness cannot overcome the light. You see it? Notice that. The flame doesn't cast a shadow. I love this illustration because there is no darkness, not even a hint. And we're called into this light to receive his grace and share it with others, to be an example of this light, to walk in both grace and truth following the example of Jesus. Oh man, don't miss the importance here. Well, Jesus has grace for my stuff too. This is where we shift because other people are facing their own struggles and challenges too. And this is where I told you at the beginning, I said, think of a person in your life that maybe you have a a difficult relationship because I might not know their whole story, right? I think about all those kids that we went to kids camp with. And we were standing there at this last place that we just went to is Evergreen in Olympia. And those kids have not been to school in over a year. And it was evident <laughs> they had not been uh, too many places for a while. Um, but they were preschoolerly. And the church there had actually scholarshiped 100 kids. 
that did not attend their church. So these are completely unchurched kids who did not know Jesus. So they didn't know what it was like to be in church, right? I, and I stood there because I got to host that one where we, you know, I got to host as in uh, lead them into worship and uh, kind of guide them through the service. And I stood there in front of these kids and we just prayed about um, someone that didn't know Jesus. Who are you going to share the gospel with now that you've heard it? And I stood there and I said, some of you are praying for your mom and your dad, right? Some of you are praying for an aunt or uncle or a grandma or a grandpa or someone that you live with, and that's a hard situation. And the truth is, I was standing before 300 children, and I didn't know any one of their stories. Just like this morning, I'm standing before how many people in this room, and I don't know your whole story, right? I think we have to remember that, that we don't always know each other's stories. We don't know the health issues someone might be facing or job struggles that they're in or, or the things that are just hard or the things that we can't see on the outside of them. I might not know all the details, but maybe they need my grace too. You know, the truth is, if we make assumptions on the surface, oh man, we can get bent out of shape with other people, can't we? We can make harsh judgments over them. But Jesus treats me differently. That even though I mess up, even though I've sinned, even though I don't deserve it, Jesus still died for my sin. Jesus had still extended grace even though I didn't deserve it, and he wants me to do the same for other people. He wants us to extend the same kind of grace to others, even when we might not think they deserve it. Oh, man, I say that to my kids all the time. I probably say it too much, but someday it'll sink in, right? <laughs> okay. I actually have a friend who doesn't know Jesus, and I think this is pretty powerful to me because she taught me a lesson that was big, and I'll share it with you. She works for a school district, not in this area. She's kind of far out in a different area, but um, she deals with a lot of families in her school district that are really struggling. Kids that come to school with super poor hygiene, without a lunch, um, they have just a number of difficult issues going on in their lives. And at first, she felt pretty mad and frustrated with the families. Uh, they didn't appear to be caring for their children is what she would see. That's what she saw on the surface. And then after she went to a few home visits, she said that her entire perspective changed. Maybe they're all doing the best they can, she said to me. And if the best that they're able to give is simply getting their children to school in the condition that they're in, then they need my compassion, not her judgment. Oh, man, it changed her heart for those kids and the families there. And because of how she responded to them with grace and compassion, there was greater change that was happening, positive relationships that were developing and being formed, and those kids are receiving better care now. Amen? Because of a shift in her perspective. And she doesn't even know Jesus. I wonder if maybe you have a friend who's going through life and doing the best that they can. What if we had that perspective Instead of having judgment or, or feeling frustrated or angry, what if we decided that they're just doing the best that they can? And if we realize that, that the best that they can falls short of our expectation, maybe they need our grace and our compassion because they're doing the best that they can. Here's the thing. It's grace that draws your friends near, right? Right? When they sense your grace and compassion, they become more interested to hear you handle the hard stuff. And the more interested they become in hearing the gospel truth because of your example of grace while standing in the truth, right? One reason that we trust Jesus is because we receive grace that we didn't deserve. We trust the commands of Jesus because of his grace. And others will trust your witness and will grow into truth when they experience your grace 
too. Amen? Amen. To close us out today, this morning, I just want to give us this last little challenge. That we would constantly remember God's grace over us. That we would allow God's grace to influence how we extend grace to others. That we'd let God's word be a constant reminder of truth over you. That we'd live as an example of that truth, not wavering from it. That we'd share and speak truth as we trust Jesus to work in the hearts of others. And that we would receive freedom and God's grace for ourselves when we mess up. And finally, to let Jesus show us a better way out of the darkness of our own sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll pray this morning. Oh, thank you, church, for your grace. <laughs> Jesus, we are thankful that we can be here in this place. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful, God, for your word that gives us your truth and your grace. God, I pray that we would be in your word daily. God, that especially where there is confusion or frustration, God, that we would recognize in those places that there might be a lie building in our hearts. God, that we instead need to take those opportunities to come to you, God, to seek your grace and your truth and find truth found in your word above all else, that our focus would remain in you, especially in those challenging times, God. That if we can shift our focus from the frustration and onto you, God, uh, we'll be able to walk with more compassion and more love for others. Thank you, Jesus, for the time we get to share together. May your word just penetrate into our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, let's go in grace and truth. Amen? Have a good Sunday.